Yo, yo, it's your girl Life back again for the Silence the Shame podcast. I'm super excited about this month. It is all about women, and I'm super excited to have such great women in the studio with me. But first, let me give a shout out to Shanti and Free. You guys were the original OGs for this podcast, and I would be remiss if I didn't pay homage to those who paved the way before me. Uh, I just want to introduce myself. I am Layla Fitzgerald, known as Life, your Silence the Shame podcast host. And now let me introduce Tamika Anderson. I'm super, super excited to have you today. Welcome to the Silence of Shame podcast. Um, first, how are you today? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I'm loving the energy in the room. So we were doing some like chopping it up in the room and we figured out we have like a kindred spirit that we should have been wearing all black. Next time yes. I'll send you the memo. Thank you. Perfect. So Man. do me a little favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Tamika. Okay, so I was originally born and raised in Chicago. Okay. I've been in Atlanta for over 20 years now. So now you're from the A. I guess. That's what they say. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but okay, we're going to go she with it. She shot town raised, but now she's from the A. <laughs> hey, we're going to go ahead and go with it. Um, I have three children. Awesome. A grandson. Wow. Right? And I work with families. Mostly those who have ADHD okay. and neurodivergence. Okay. And I help with behavioral support. Awesome. So my background is working with children with autism. So now we have a more kindred spirit here. Oh, yeah. um, I also uh, serve as a community director for the Department of Behavioral Health and Development and Disabilities. So we have some extra connection going on right there that we need to connect with. Uh, working for those babies, you have to have a passion, a heart, um, a will because it, it's it's hard because you're dealing with someone who cannot verbally or physically understand in normal ways that the regular person does. But when I heard you speak, speak about your children, your grandchildren and what you do, I sort of got this strong woman syndrome on your show, sitting on your shoulders. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be a strong woman or to wear all of those hats, to be a career woman, a mother, um, an entrepreneur? Um, I hear that you have a one-woman stage play. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so what does that mean to you, to be a strong black woman? How does that feel? Is that something you wear proudly? Is that a lot to have on your shoulders? Just tell me a little bit about being the strong black woman in your world. Yeah, that's such a good question. But at first, I used to think that it was like a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, yeah, I'm a strong, independent black woman. Right, right. right. You know, <laughs> and the more I was suddenly into the role, mm -hmm. I was just like, no, it's not okay. Pick somebody else to do it. Right? Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> because it was too much. Yeah. It was way too much, you know, being everything to everyone while simultaneously nothing to myself. That's it. That's the piece that I think we all miss in the pieces that we don't focus on. And that's why Silence the Shame sort of says has our self-care um, Saturdays and our self-care Mondays and just making sure we're motivated. It's motivational Mondays. Um, but tell me, in, in that role, and you have to be that for your children, you have to be on all the time, tell me how you lose yourself in that. Ooh, like I said, being everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. It's like 
I'm not even included in the equation. Right. So I'm trying to be everything to everyone. And I didn't include myself. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't work. It doesn't at all. It doesn't work. How, how did that end for you? Did, was it a pivotal moment? You was like, hey, I'm giving way too much over here and I'm not focusing. And is it something that happened inside of you to sort of make you recognize I need to focus more inward than giving everybody my all? You know what happened to me? I literally got sick. Body shut down. I didn't even realize I was having an asthma attack. Huh. I didn't know it was asthma. Wow. So you didn't have asthma. I did. I didn't know I had asthma. <laughs> I mean, you know, clearly I had <laughs> asthma. I didn't know that's what it was because it was a whole bunch of coughing. So I thought that I was just like, you know, maybe I didn't caught the flu from yeah. these little kids. Right, right. And they right. gave me some cooties, but it kept lasting. And then one particular day, I coughed so much I couldn't even breathe. I was, you know, shortness of breath. Yeah. My daughter had to run me to the ER. Wow. And that's when they told me they're just like, oh my God, you have acute asthma. You have an asthma attack. And so I kept having back to back asthma attacks. I couldn't even talk for an entire month. That is crazy. It was crazy. It's crazy. And I was forced to sit down. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> so my children and I both have chronic asthma. Mm -hmm. So I know that feeling. In that feeling, it's like, not now, Lord. Like, breathing is like what I do naturally. Right. Not being able to breathe is a scary moment. Yeah. In that moment, what did you feel? Um, did you feel that it was the weight of the world or you you said you thought you were sick, but once it hit and you couldn't breathe in that moment, did you recognize that it was the stress on you or did you still think you had a sickness? So it wasn't until week two okay. of the not being able to talk. So you were still being strong one. <laughs> right. oh, okay. You still wanted to show yeah. you. <laughs> like the doctor literally had to tell me, stop talking. <laughs> Like, stop talking. I'm like, how do I stop talking? I got kids. What do you mean? Stop talking. Yeah. Like you're on vocal rest. You cannot talk uh, at all. Telling the black woman she can't talk. Right. Now how that's that the, how does that work? With children and a career and everything. Like, I, but in that moment, so now you're being told that I cannot talk. Mm -hmm. So I have to find other ways to communicate. Yes. I have to deal with all my businesses without talking, even though my business is to talk. Talking. So tell me how you did a mind shift. To realize, hey, if I don't stop talking, I might not be here or this may get to something worse. And so realizing that I'm strong, but I also need to be weak in this moment. But I have to be strong because I have all of these other pieces in place. But if I'm not strong within myself, I can't be strong for them. So tell me after two weeks, after not listening to our bodies, <laughs> after not hearing, hey, I'm ready to shut down, ma'am. You're doing a lot for others and not doing anything for myself. What clicked for you? What made you realize, hey, this is something that I'm doing to myself? So after that, like, I I am really, really heavy on praying. And so I had a conversation with God, or rather mm -hmm. he had one with me. Hello. And he just began to show me that the strongest thing you can do is ask for help. Hmm. You want to be strong? Mm. Ask somebody to help you. <laughs> because... We see that as being a weakness, right? but it takes a lot in you because we've already gone through the first phase, second phase, about to die phase, mm -hmm. the Lord that had to come touch us on the shoulder phase yes. until we say, you know what? I might need to ask somebody for something. Yeah. Asking someone for help in that strong black woman being, right? How was that for you? At first, it was very, very scary. Yeah. 
And then I had to like get to the root of why was it so scary? Mm -hmm. And it was because I was literally forced into the role. I was raised from infancy to be a strong black woman. Right, that's what we're told. That's what we're taught. Independent. You don't, go to school, you get a good job, you don't have to depend on nobody. Don't depend on no man or nobody else. That's what we're taught. That's what we're taught. And so I had to go back to that. Like, wow, I was raised this way. Mm -hmm. This is how the story was framed for me. Right. That this is what I needed to be. Yeah. And so I made a vow to myself. I'm not doing this no more. I don't have to be a strong woman. Mm -mm. I can be weak. Mm -hmm. I can be strong. Yeah. I could be mild. Yeah. I could be hype. Like, this is who I am. But I've got to recognize that from within myself to be able to even give that, teach my daughters that. I hear you say you have a daughter. To teach in, anybody that comes into my world and my realm to not, you don't have to be that strong woman. Like, you can have strong moments and you need to have strong assets. Right. But you don't have to walk around with this, I am mighty, I don't need help. Right. Help is out there. Yes. Silence the shame is out there. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'm going to flip the script a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So we are strong black women, and we walk into the door with our shoulders back and our head held high. But as soon as we speak our mind or as soon as we come from, a, from that inner moment that we have now grown, so now you know yourself, right? Now mm -hmm. God tapped me on my shoulder and said, hey, baby, you got to be quiet. And now within that, you found some strengths within yourself of how to show up when you walk in the room, right? right. So proud, um, very boastful. We're going to speak our minds, give our opinions. Many people call that an angry black woman. <laughs> I'm like, I wasn't angry. I wasn't mean? angry until you, until you, but this is just me. Right. What does that angry woman syndrome mean to you? You know, it's a lot of gaslighting that society <laughs> does for, to us as that black works, women. Right. Because at the end of the day, they do a lot of exploitation of our bodies mm -hmm. for our labor and everything else. They exploit us. So yeah. how dare we stand up for ourselves and say, no, you're not going to do this to me. Right. So now they have to continue to make us the villain, mm -hmm. you know. So if they paint this picture that every time a black woman stands up for herself, that she's angry that and, and it's wrong. Yeah. Now we can't stand up for ourselves against abuse. And now they can use that as now that's a um, an excuse right. for them to put us back in our place. Yes. Because in this society, the black woman has always been the last. Yes. In any hierarchy, we've always been last. Yes. That's changing. I'm seeing black women rise. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing black girl joy. I'm seeing black girl magic. Now you have the... Um, black Girl Perfect, mm -hmm. <laughs> One Woman Stage Play. Mm -hmm. Tell us how, first of all, I'm going to get you to tell us about the play, but tell me how you shifted the um, dialogue from Angry Black Woman to Black Girl Perfect. Sure, play. so I'm a writer, Okay, right? And we got a lot of things in common, boy, from asthma to writing to black clothes, to <laughs> the whole shebang. Yeah, so when the world shut down during the pandemic, okay. that was another time that I think that was a very pivotal moment for me. Okay. Um, I was forced to shut down. It's mm -hmm. funny because prior to the pandemic, I literally had on my calendar, do not work this particular weekend because I had been working all of them today. I was burned out. I was, he was tired. listening to yourself again. Oh, yes. Went through the struggle. Then you was like, oh, okay, I remember this feeling. Yes. And so you checked into yourself, but you still scheduled your break. I did. And so I began to write. And one of my friends who's also a creative, I always do my creative um, 
first rough draft uh-huh. with her. And I said, hey, listen, I wrote another monologue. I want you to hear it, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm literally just <laughs> telling her. And because I had so much pain in that particular monologue, I was crying. After I finished the monologue, she said, Tamika, the world needs to hear this. You did your own self-therapy. Man. Went writing that. You didn't realize why you were writing it. But then when you read it back to yourself, you're like, whoa. Yes. I went through this. This is my story. I'm not reading a book. This is my story, right? And your friend was like, your story needs to be heard to the world. There's so many young women or black women, older black women, who are now finding themselves because we were taught to be that strong person. So I have like my auntie who is just now saying, I don't have to dress like this. I don't have to speak. I don't have to. I can be myself. And she's in her 70s. But it took her that long to recognize herself. Tell me how Black Girl Perfect can get us way before our 70s to understanding who we are. And tell us a little bit about the therapy you received when writing that. It was it was so cathartic because, mm-hmm. and I took, I take the audience on a journey. Okay. Because I start off with the pain stories, the the reasons why people mm-hmm. are saying, oh, you're angry, but what they're seeing is the pain. Yeah. Right. Because right below anger, there's if you lift the lid just a little, mm-hmm. you're going to see the pain. Right. And so I take the audience on this journey and they see, OK, this is where we're starting all the way through. And the things that we did to get there, the therapy sessions, the meditations, the journey, journaling, the dancing, mm-hmm. all of the things that I've done to get myself from that. Right. To a place of acceptance of myself, of self-love. And so now, because I'm filling myself with this self-acceptance, self-love, that's what I spill. Yeah. So if you if I bump into you, even if you're not so kind to me, I'm spilling the love. love. Right. Right. And so that's what worked. That's what happened for me. I love that. So my sister always tell me how. How are you smiling right now? And I'm like, why wouldn't I smile? Right. This is like my pastor used to always tell me, count it all joy. Right. The pain, the hurt, the harm, the success, yes. the growth, all of it is joy because you're you're still able to experience it. You said something um, that really sparked. You said behind all of that hurt and anger, behind the anger was hurt. Mm-hmm. Many times we utilize behaviors as our language. Right. Many children... Um, they say you're a bad kid or they have behavior health challenges. And it's they don't have the language to speak the behavior that they're feeling. Right. When you're angry, <clears throat> when you get in those modes of being angry, but it's really hurt, what is that? Why do we flip it? Why are we so shamed <laughs> to show our hurt? But why do we flip to anger? Is that a defense mechanism that we've been taught? Is that a defense mechanism that you use? Is that a way to not show our weakness again? So what is that? Why do we keep that layer covered, do you think? It's very complex because there's is a lot of different reasons. But the main reason is because most people don't know what to do with sadness. Mm-hmm. And so Let's just say, as a matter of fact, this is an actual exercise that I do. I do an exercise where I do, um, where I sit with sadness. Okay. And it's just like me and you having a conversation. And I'll sit and I'll journal and I'll sit with sadness. And I say, what are you here to teach me? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, they don't know how to sit with sadness. So instead of sitting with it, they're treating it like a hot potato. Oh, no, you take this. Oh, no, you take it. You take it. So they're trying to throw it off. Yeah. 
And it's so, still sticking to them. Right. <laughs> That's where the anger is. The anger is sadness bodyguard. Mm-hmm. You know, so sadness is right here. And sadness is like, hey, I need somebody to talk to. They're like, uh-uh. The anger is just like, no, I got you. I got I, you. I'll talk you to them good. for you, right? You and so that's literally what happens. Because we see the faces of people. If someone were to come and say, I'm sad. Most people don't know what to do with that. That's right. Oh, you'll be all right. God got you. Pray you know, about Whatever it is mm-hmm. that they say. Instead of saying, do you need me to sit with you? Actually, tell me about that. Walk right. through that. Right. What are you feeling sad about? Right. Actually getting to that instead of covering it up. Because we've been taught to cover things up. Exactly. Men can't cry. Black women can't be sad. <laughs> Don't dare show your trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who wants to hear that? Right. I, we used to say, uh, um, I have a statement that I say, um, uh, I'm not going to complain. And what's the use of doing so? Mm-hmm. What's the use of complaining about it? What does that do for you internally? And what is the person over there on the other side going to do with that complaint? If they don't have the resources to change that, right. then what is the purpose of releasing that anger onto them for them to feel that on them? But you still are not dealing with what's happening, what's inside. Exactly. You said what to do with sadness. Right. And you mentioned journaling. You mentioned dancing. You mentioned writing. You mentioned song. And many times black women, black people utilize these avenues outside of journaling and writing, but right. dancing and song and um, writing, we have been in that for centuries. Like right. it's how we got out of slavery. Yeah. We had hidden songs, mm-hmm. how we rejoice when we're um, getting married or how we rejoice when we're getting buried. Like we yeah. have song and dance and music throughout all of that. <clears throat> Those are all self-care tips, right? Mm-hmm. What are your, I hear that writing is your self-care main go-to. Mm-hmm. What are other ways that you practice self-care in releasing and knowing or being able to release that sadness so it doesn't hold on and turn into anger. Yeah, so like going to nature. Oh, yes. It's just... That walk outside. It's so healing, so refreshing. Yes. Just going outside Mm -hmm. and just listening to the birds. Yeah. Like, I remember one of my mentors told me, Tamika, if you cannot hear the birds, that means you are not present. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I tell my son, oh, I'm going to talk about my kids a lot, but <clears throat> I said, just focus where your feet at. Yes. Where are your feet right now? And excuse my, if you're an English teacher out there, I'm sorry. I know how to speak correct English, <laughs> but sometimes when you're talking to the kids, you have to get on that level, right? I said, where are your feet at, son? He said, right here under me, in front of me, right? I'm walking or something. I said, just focus on that. Yeah. I said, what's going on? What happened last year before you got into this world? What's happening next year? You cannot worry about that or you'll take yourself out just be present hear but the birds being present is hard when it you have trauma hard. oh it's very very difficult roll with it then to make, <laughs> take take over <laughs> tell me about it tell me how being present is hard when you have trauma because i i know where that comes from yes. i've lived a traumatic life i've had some things right. happen to me i don't live that way you won't see it i don't look like what i've been through right. however tell me what that means when you say it's so hard when you've been through trauma to focus on where you are focused on the present. Yeah, because like, especially, well, for me, I've had a very traumatic uh, childhood, mm-hmm. right? Born in Chicago, born to someone who was addicted to drugs. Okay. In foster care. Okay. I think we got, <laughs> you just checking my boxes like, right. okay. Running from bullets, like yeah. all of those things. And this was before I was nine, right? Before you even, de- your brain was fully developed. Exactly. It's being shifted and changed. So oh, my wow. Brain trauma changes the brain. Mm-hmm. So my brain was always on hyper alert. 
That's why it's difficult to be present when you are, have been through trauma or you're traumatized because you're always looking for the next threat. Yep. Something's, you know, gonna, something's about to happen. Right. If you're not on guard, mm -hmm. you might not be here. And so that's the reason why it's so difficult. Yeah. And I'm grateful that I've had an opportunity in my adult life to not be in trauma, mm -hmm. to not continue the walking in there. Yeah, that cycle. Because that's a, another issue Generation too. Like, cycles? oh my goodness. Oh, we could like, we'll be here. <laughs> Listen, what? we'll be here all day because because we take on a lot of stuff and yeah. we're taught a lot of stuff. Yeah. Taking on a new environment yeah. and trying to run away from that trauma or trying to escape the environments that sort of keep traumatizing us. How hard is that? Leaving your family, leaving what you know, leaving what you what you thought would be the future. I don't know if you saw moving away from Chicago. Maybe you did. Maybe I it was. Did. Like just like <laughs> I'm not. This is not what I'm doing all the rest of my life. Like, I'm not running anymore. Mm -hmm. But changing that environment, tell me what that did for you, leaving Chicago and having the trauma that you left, the man that you were leaving, all of that. What made you finally say, This is enough? Oh, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. It had built up. It was a lot. So originally I had planned to come here just for a party. My friend was having a party. Wow. And so I had booked tickets for me and my two children. Okay. And we were just come for the party. Uh -huh. Literally, it was a round trip ticket for all of us. In the meantime, two weeks before that. Okay. Broke up with the guy I was dating. Got fired from my job. Huh. <laughs> right. Oh, wait. The Lord is pushing you. Right. You didn't leave. So you got I was pushed. like. Okay, okay, this stuff is happening. I might as well just stay. So I just packed all my stuff up, sent stuff here, sold the rest of the stuff. In the two weeks that you bought the ticket and this happened? Yep. But you remember, I was used to packing up quickly and leaving. Right. I grew up in foster care. Okay. I could be at your house at 10 o'clock in the morning and leaving by 3 p.m. So I knew how to do that. I'm going to come back to that because foster care is traumatic for some people. Yes. I don't know what your experience was. Traumatic. Okay. That skill of being able to pick up and leave, mm -hmm. it was traumatic from you in the beginning. Yeah. But it gave you a strong skill set when you needed it, right? Yep. How do we help young people see that before they experience it, right? Because I tell people all the time, everything that I did before now led up to me being prepared for right now. Right. I tell people all the time, be prepared for what you pray for. You don't know when it's going to drop. Mm -mm. So if you prayed to get away from that man, <laughs> if you prayed you didn't love that job, <laughs> and you prayed, I want a new environment, yep. the Lord don't always tell you how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and how I'm going to get you through it. He afforded you to get those tickets for you and your children, right? Yep. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? He afforded you the skill to know how to easily pack up and leave. Who knew that that traumatic experience would take me here? He gave you a friend, a family friend, to be able to have a safe place to come to mm -hmm. for you to be comfortable to live with with your children. Yeah. But in that moment, you didn't see any of that, right? None of it. <laughs> I thought I was just coming here for a party. How do you keep moving without seeing? Outside of faith. <laughs> Outside of we go, because I go to the Lord all the time. Right. Everybody might not believe in what we believe in, right? Right. How do you keep moving? Because somebody told me one time, even in the storm, you have to move. Yes. Even in the storm, the wind going to sway oh, you. The rain going to hit you. You have to drive. You're going to have to move through that storm. What kept your feet moving? I'm pretty sure you're going to say your children. 
Yes. Pretty oh sure. Goodness. It was. What did you, okay, so because I'm going to tell you I was going to bring it back. How did you want to break that generational cycle? So I, it's so funny because at the age of seven, which my seven-year-old self is on the cover of my book, okay, Parenting the Confident Child. That's okay. the reason why I put my seven-year-old self there because at seven, oh my goodness, God gave me so much wisdom. Mm. And at seven, I said to myself, if I ever have children, they will never be in foster care. If I ever have children, right. they will never have to worry about where I am. Mm. Like, my oldest daughter will be 29 this year, and she could count on one hand how many times she woke up and have not seen my face. Right. Right? Right. And so that was we don't important get that to me. It was important because I didn't have that. So my children mm. seeing me was what make it yeah. was what got me through because I didn't have a relationship with God then. Wow. That's the reason why I was all over the place. Wow. But I knew I made a promise to myself at seven. I said at seven years old, at they will seven. never be through. That's your book, Parenting the Co the Confident Child. Mm -hmm. You keep dropping nuggets. You got all type plays and books and Lord Jesus, the baby is blessed. <laughs> Tell us about Parenting the Confident Child because you had to become confident or strong at seven. Yes. But you didn't want your seven-year-old to be that seven, that seven year old, right? To have to make those decisions at seven years old. So, what made you write this book about parenting? The but you still want her to be confident and standing who she was and know who she is and not let anybody tell you that's not who you are, right? Right. Give us a little bit. First of all, how can we find your book? <laughs> and then it's on Amazon, our favorite place. Everybody, <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the book. How you got to writing parenting the confident child. It's funny about the book because I actually started doing the work and had clients. And, like, I had one particular client that kept telling me, Tamika, you need to write a book. Tamika, you need to write a book. You need to listen to these babies that's <laughs> in your ear, right? <laughs> you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And so what happened was I've worked with thousands of children all over the world, okay. right? I realized there was one thing, no matter the economic status or anything, one thing after working with all these children. Mm -hmm that parents can do that will help all of them. I use one method, and that was helping them to develop confidence. And so I was like, okay, so this is, this is the thing. Mm -hmm. This is the way, right? And so that's what I did. I, I you know, doubled down on it. Okay. And so I started focusing on developing confidence in every child that came near me. What's the difference between confidence and strong? Ooh, that's so deep. <laughs> in talking about that, I remember I said, you know, God showed me the strongest thing you could do is ask for help. Right. Right? Right. So in being confident, mm -hmm. you are cooperative. Oh. You have to ask for help. You have to. You have to work as a team. You have to. Because if not, then that's arrogance. It that's is. the opposite. And we it's can get nowhere by ourselves. Thank you. You're right. Okay. So that's it. I'm telling you, Tamika's who you need to talk to. Black Girl Perfect. A one-woman stage play. It's just you up there. Just me. Is it different characters? Yes. It is. It's 10 of y'all in there. Ten. I tell people it's a lot of us in here. You don't want to <laughs> deal with them. Some of us, it used to be called multiple personality disorder. Right? <laughs> people used to have a diagnosis for it. But when you know how to manage your personalities, mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, it's a lot of me's in here. You choose which one you want to pull out, yeah. right? Like my environment, my scenario, like my my work hat, my mom hat, my sister hat, my friend hat. You know, all of these different roles in here. 
10 characters mm-hmm. in this play. Yep. How long has the play been out? Uh, last year. Last I, I year. Last year. That was the first time I did. And it was, man, I had people in there the first day texting their friends, telling them, please see if you can get a ticket. Coming up to me afterwards. Now, I didn't just perform, and they coming up to me talking about, can you please get my friend in? Can you tell them to let them <laughs> Can I get some funny. water first? Right? But, you really, but your friend said, your friend, that person in your, you always got to have some good people. Yeah. God is talking to you on a regular basis, but you got to have some people that's going to push you in your corner, right? Yes. That circle, that small circle. She said, the world needs to hear this. The world needs to hear this. And now you get to the play and everybody in that play is saying, my friend needs to, my sister needs to be here. My daughter, like, I wish that all of these individual women were here to hear this. Tell me how those 10 women showed up and showed out to, to where people wanted other people to meet these 10 Tamikas. I don't know if they have names or not, but. Well, the thing is, like, once I started writing the play, it wasn't just my story then. That's the reason why we have 10. Okay. Because I started gathering stories from other black women that I knew, other black women around the world. And so now we have 10 black women, period. Not just me. Wow. 10 black women. That are all from different walks? Yes. They're They're, not all you. It's not all me. Okay. Not all me. Tell me a little bit about a few of them. I don't know if we have time for 10, but I want people to come in your play. (laughs) We're not going to do the play right here. we could have called her in to do the play, but how we wanted to learn about Tamika. Tell me about a few of the characters that are in the play. So one one of the characters, she's a boss, boss lady. Matter of fact, she opens the play. She is the successful black woman. She's all about, you know, being there for people. Yes. And she has these empowerment shows and oh. she's just got it going on. The boss. Right. Okay. The boss. Is that the strong black woman? That is the strong black uh, woman. Because we like the boss lady, boss Man. up. I'm the boss. Okay. Right. <laughs> so her, she opens the scene. Okay. And so, there, but there's the secret about her. Is that pulling back the layers? We have a kitchen spirit. It's a diamond in the rough in there. Yes. And we like to show the rough before we show the diamond. Yes. And so that's a character. Another character, she's like an activist. Okay. You know, she's a proud black woman. Life for my However, people. the world doesn't want her to be proud. Mm-hmm. You know, she has this black son. She's afraid for him. And so that's another character. Okay. Um, and then we see her softer side at the, you know, towards the end. Um, another one is a queer character. Wow. Oh, we're hitting all the pieces. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we went there with all I of I love it. it. And so, you know, just the complexities of being black and queer. And then there's the final one, which a lot of people say that this one is their favorite. Her name is Free. Hmm. Right? And she's the one that finally learned self-love, self-acceptance. And so all of these women take you through the journey of getting that. to free. And do you know at the end, because I do like talkbacks at the end. Okay. I've had black men, because I don't know if you saw like the reviews, but black men beat it at the show too. I I'm just saying. It. I love it. I had black Because they need to figure out how to deal with their strong black women. And themselves. And themselves. So I had, my, I'm not going to go there. But come right. On. I've had black <laughs> men come to me and say, Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm now in therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's it shows me to do. It's showing me a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, a lot of movements happen because of black women. Either they're the behind the scenes pushing the man, or they're the woman in the front pushing the movement. Right? 
Do you have any nuggets you want to give them? Any um, lessons you want them to learn um, from this play or from your walk of life, from your book, from the work that you do, from being a mother, from being a strong black woman? (laughs) You know... Everybody throws around the phrase self-love. Mm-hmm. Like, I I feel like it's just a cliche at this point. However, nobody tells you what self-love really is. Or how to love yourself. And how to love yourself, right? So right. it starts with self-acceptance. Mm. You have to accept yourself, yeah. right? You can't be looking in the mirror like, oh, my God, I don't like this. Oh, my God, what? I need to do this. There, you, you can't do that. Right. Because that's not self-love. What you'll be practicing is self-obsessed. Come on now. You know, that's not self-love. Mm-hmm. So learning how to accept yourself, flaws and all, is what I always tell people. That's that's where you start. Okay. Because that's the hardest part. It is. Accepting when the world says, oh, I want you to look like this. Mm. And then, okay, well, you don't look like that. So how do you accept that? How, how are you okay? Right. How, how are you, you living in the that? noise yeah. down? Silence. Yeah. Silence and the, the noise. shame. Yeah. How do you do that? It's through self-acceptance. Okay. When you accept who you are hmm. from the inside out, that's when all the good things happen. Does that change? Does that change how you see the world? Oh, yes. Come on now. It absolutely does because now I'm not seeking the world for validation. Oh, I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> I'm not looking to be valid in right. anyone's world but my own. I am validating myself. Like, I'm good. I am good enough. I am who I am supposed to be in this world. This is who I was made to be. Like, that validation, looking for validation outside, I think even as a seven-year-old, as a baby, you're looking for your mom to say, oh, you're cute. Oh, that dress is so pretty on you. But if you never get that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you have to seek that, Mm -hmm. That validation you're seeking from everybody but the right body, right. which is your body. Right. We seek it from men. Right. We go to our pastors. We want everybody. our pastors to say, you're doing fine. You're doing good. Our family, hey, let me, I just want your opinion on this idea. Hey, I just want your opinion on this dress. Baby, look in the mirror. But if you if you notice, society does not you know, show messages of us accepting ourselves That's because the then they won't have a business. That's the difference. Is, is The big business is insecurity. Image, insecurities. And how can so I change they How can do. I change your image Absolutely. to feel your insecurity? There you go. Instead of dealing with your insecurity. So self-acceptance is an act of defiance. Okay. You have to defy society in order to accept yourself. Self-acceptance, self-love is a cliche that we all are rolling with. (laughs) Tamika, I think we're going to have to have a part two. (laughs) They just gave me a time card. Oh, my goodness. All right. So in your work, um, in this emotional well-being role, self-care, self-obsession, is there anything you would like to leave the people knowing about how to get to self-acceptance, how to get to self-love, how to get to Mm self-care. Any last minute, because you've been dropping nuggets all day. (laughs) Anything you would like to give them, is there any 
toolkit that you've already written? Is there a website we can go to? Can we find you at the nearest, you know what I'm saying, corner store giving self-care to all the people? Okay. <laughs> so what I'll say is this. I'm actually working on my next book anyway, Of course so you are. I'm talking about that. But, um, but spend time with yourself. Mm-hmm. It's scary at first. The reason why it's scary is because we've become addicted to the false validation from society and the world, mm-hmm. right? So we're addicted to that. So it's scary to spend time by yourself, you and God, and allow ask God to show you your bigness. That's God right. has given us, all, each one of us, yes. some bigness, right? Yes. But if you are paying attention... Most of the world tells us to tone down the bigness. Oh, be so big. Don't shine so much. Why are you trying to outshine this person? You know, so because of that, we have all of these conflicting emotions. We don't know what to do with them. Right. If you spend more time with yourself and God, Mm -hmm. you will learn how to accept, yes, I'm big. When I walk in the room, there might not be enough room for your insecurity to be in here with me. That's it. So you do that. That is, I'm telling you, that changes the game. It does. Because now you're you're not cocky. Because like I said, cocky is insecure. That's the difference. You're confident. You have this very quiet confidence about yourself. You don't have to run around saying, Mm -mm. oh, I'm this, that, and the third. But people will see it. They see it Mm -hmm. and it speaks before you even get in the room. Right. Like, let you speak before you enter the room. Let yourself speak before you enter the room. That cockiness is, I want you to see me. I want want you you to to see what I have done. My actions are going to show you what I've done. Confidence says how I make you feel. My name and my titles mean nothing. Right. How I make you feel, how I leave you feeling means the world. Hi, Tamika. Tell the folks how to reach you. (laughs) Oh, this has been awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Like the nuggets you gave me today is changed. Like I I love myself and I love all the me's that's in here, right? But just hearing things from other people and hearing our walks of life have been very similar and how we don't wear that trauma and how that trauma taught us so much, right? And so I just appreciate you for giving our listeners those nuggets and and opportunities to be able to practice self-acceptance, know self-love, and to do self-care so that we can have a better self, so that we can give to someone else. Because if you don't have it within, I tell people all the time, if you don't have the hundred, you can't give a hundred. Right. If you don't have 50, you can't give them the 50. So you've got to make sure you have over the hundred within so that you have a little more extra to give all of those others. Mm-hmm. Tell the people how to find you. <laughs> Good so God. I just started a YouTube channel. Okay. And it the acronym is PTSD, but it said uh it stands for parents trying to stop dysfunction. Come on. So like I've been posting videos on there to talk about like the everything that I work on with my families and part of my story. And I'll also be sharing like the, my next project, which is my next book. Okay. It's coming up on there. Hi. Are you on social medias? I'm sure you are. Yes. Okay. I am on Instagram as fun brand coach. I believe it's fun brand. Coach. Okay. So, yeah, Cause you know, they call me the fun coach. Oh. Um, uh, fun is the acronym for finding unmet needs. So oh. we li- we missed a lot yeah. of nuggets in here. The fun coach, yes. finding unmet needs. So, yeah. So usually if you uh, put fun coach Tamika okay. anywhere, you'll find me. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to want to be coached by you. Okay. They call it coach, coach Mika. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank I'm you. here for it. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Many blessings to your work moving forward. Please let us know if we can ever be partners in anything that you're doing. Um, I really appreciate the conversation today. And now I have a new friend in Miss Tamika. Um, so again, thank you so much. We would like to thank you for joining us every podcast to listen to these great stories of inspiration. But remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe to our channel. And don't forget to donate by texting SILENCE to 707070. And please don't forget to free your feels Take time, save a life, and silence the shame. Thank you and have the most amazing day.